Hey, welcome to the Impact Podcast by Youthopia. Join me in meeting the youth of Singapore who are making a positive impact to the world around them. For today, our featured guest is Yuvan Mohan. Yuvan is the Chief Curator at Young Changemakers, an initiative by the National Youth Council to give youths the opportunity to succeed in their social projects. So, hi Yuvan. Hello. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. I think you can start off with telling us a bit about yourself. Sure. So, by day, I work as a strategy manager, um, but I'm really deeply involved in the volunteer space. So, I sit on the Youth Court Advisory Committee. I'm the Chief Curator for the Young Changemakers Programme. I'm the vice chairperson for Cinda Youth Club and I sit on board the social development network as well. My areas of interest is youth development, uh, youth mentorship, volunteer management, and I'm really passionate about diversity and inclusion, especially in the youth leadership space. Mm. That's a great introduction. Um, you hold many titles, <laughs> making me look really bad over <laughs> here. <laughs> um, maybe you can share a bit more about how you started out on this path of volunteerism. Gosh, it's quite a long journey. So I started like with many young people mm. doing beach cleanups in primary school. And then you just slowly build up from there, right? So for example, I started with beach cleanup. The next one, I, org- I organized the beach cleanup. Then I was like, hmm, why the beach is still dirty? Mm. And maybe I tried to see, maybe put, put more emphasis on climate change and sustainability. And then I just slowly built it up. So it wasn't like a spark, but like a growing, growing amber that just grew and grew. Mm. And I was encouraged by many of my friends to say, hey, I enjoyed the volunteering activities you conducted. Could you do more? And so from primary school to secondary school to university, youth development and volunteering is, is my mainstay. It's really my constant in my life. Mm. How did you... I mean, I think uh, I speak for some of us when I say that, you know, volunteering sometimes can get a bit tiring or like you might you might lose that kind of motivation how do you stay motivated over the years i think one you must understand your priorities in life so i will never put volunteering as my top priority it's mm. like career family friends and then volunteering and so for you to facilitate that you need to set some some rules so for example i don't volunteer on sundays mm. my volunteering activities are predominantly on saturday and if i have volunteer meetings it's always after office hours um individuals will need to balance themselves because you can't just be relying on volunteering for sustenance. Yep. You need to be very practical as well. You need to have a job or you need to be studying and volunteering should be once feeding your passion. Mm. Uh, so I do have such rules. Secondly, I also take breaks. I think that is super important. Like I do have like no volunteering days mm. or like some Fridays I just keep it empty for myself. So that is very important for self-care. Mm. And I think my concern is that many volunteer leaders, especially, don't emphasize self-care for themselves. And they so, are so much more passionate about other people that they tend to forget themselves in this whole journey. Yep. So I think setting rules is very important. Setting your priorities and being truthful and honest to yourself, it's super critical mm. for your volunteering journey. Drawing boundaries, right? Exactly. Yep. Okay. So you mentioned just now that you are a strategy manager um, by day, right? So how do you think your analytical mind has shaped the way that you approach your volunteer work? So I think working and volunteering are not separate. They are they mm. actually they are connected and they value add to one another. So for example, within the volunteering space, skills volunteering is becoming very popular. That is how your skills that you use at work and whether you can apply it in the volunteering space. So for example, if you're a marketing exec, helping nonprofits look at your marketing deck, at your pitch deck and seeing how they can improve it. Mentorship via the kind of skills that you have. That's one. Second, I feel that, you know, I'm able to be a bit more analytical and that helps in how I craft 
the, my volunteer journey for my volunteers? Mm. How do I do volunteer development? How do I do volunteer management? I think because I went into the working world, that actually gave me a lot of ideas and perspectives and best practices from like the private sector and then putting it in the volunteer sector. I think that is super useful. I think third as well is um, how do you lead teams? I think when you start working, that is super important as well. Mm. And so you're able to use those lessons from work into your volunteering journey. And volunteering journey is actually a very good way to start on areas that you have interest in but have no experience about. Mm. So for example, for me, like HR or volunteering management, I wasn't exposed to that in work, but I was able to start it in my volunteering journey and then use that to support my career development as well. So if you look at it as not two separate entities, mm. but as part of your own holistic development, I think you'll be able to see the synergies between work and volunteering and you'll be able to leverage on both effectively. Mm. Do you have an example of like how your strategic mind has been able to be applied? to like your volunteer work like so, any specific examples so for example in terms of prioritization mm. so I learned at work it's, it's important it's critical for you to prioritize what is the top thing that you want to achieve mm. so using that mindset when I develop a, a task or a work stream for my volunteers I limit it one or two because I know that your energies cannot be focused across multiple areas you need to be very critical uh, you need to know what you're going out for secondly how do you do succession and long term planning that's something that I've learned from work. How do they develop young leaders mm. during like leadership programs at a young stage? How do they do mentorship? How do they do uh, sponsors for, for individuals who want to de develop themselves further? So I replicated the model in the volunteering space as well, creating, for example, leadership programs for volunteers who we feel have high potential, getting them to rotate across different departments. Secondly, trying to find mentors to these young volunteers so that they are able to navigate in the volunteer journey and sponsors for them for leadership programs overseas or other kinds of leadership programs that we invest in. And how can we ensure that when they go for these programs, they come back and give back to the organizations. So these are things that I didn't learn in the volunteering space, but rather I saw and observed how it's implemented in my work and used that and transposed it to the volunteer scene. Mm. Okay, I think um, <laughs> I want to backtrack a couple of steps. Okay. I realized that um, I missed out on asking you <laughs> to tell me a bit about uh, your role at uh, Young Changemakers as a chief curator. So maybe you can tell me a bit more about what exactly it is that you do and yeah, like what, what does that look like for you? Sure. So Young Changemakers has been around for 16 years mm. and I've been in Young Changemakers or YCM for six years now. I started off as a curator then became a senior curator and was chief curator in 2017, 2018. So I've been in my role for about three to four years now. Um, as the chief curator of Young Change, Young Change Makers, what we do is YCM is a seed grant for young people to implement projects at a seed level or a very basic level. So what how this is facilitated is they apply for the grant, they come in and they pitch to each other. Mm. The unique feature of YCM compared to other grants is the only grant where young people decide on the projects of other young people. So it's not like an administrator sitting in and then just listening in and or saying yes or no. Young people sort of one deciding which projects to support. So we do that on a monthly basis and we get about 12 to 15 pro uh, projects a month. The amount of funding that we give is you know, around $3,000. So it's just seed funding for you to start your projects. Mm. Uh, what I do within YCM uh, as a chief curator is I look at uh, volunteer management, volunteer recruitment. So how do you get new volunteers in? How do you ensure that they are well adjusted? How do you develop them? Uh, more recently, I've gone into the partnership space. 
So that is how can we get YCM out into people who really need it most? Mm. How can we develop tools and capabilities so that when our volunteers, our YCM curators go outside, they're able to pitch YCM effectively. Mm. So that are my two roles within YCM. Okay, cool. I have a better understanding now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you mentioned a bit about uh, the aspect of mentoring youth, right? Mm. So I'm wondering um, on your end, what started or what got you interested in this space? So I always firmly believe that the best way to enjoy the privileges that you have had in life is to pass it down. Mm. So if you feel that you have benefited from the system or if you have benefited from the luck of the draw of your life, then how can you ensure that the next generation of young people have this or are able to enjoy the privileges that you have gone through? So using the experience, using the knowledge that you have gained and sharing with someone younger who is going through similar experiences that you have gone through. Uh, so that was the main intent of mentorship. And I found that that's a very fulfilling journey uh, and a very humbling journey as well because you learn so much more from the mentees as well mm. in terms of their struggles and how they are overcoming it at a younger age, the kinds of expectations that society has on them. And you realize, wow, uh, you know, they're dealing with a lot more issues than you ever had to deal with. So I don't feel like mentorship is a one-way journey. It's a two-way journey. And that's why I'm always active being a mentor and not just mentor on the career front, but in a volunteer front and in the life front as well. Mm. I have a question. Does it get, um, not tiring, but you know, I think sometimes talking to people who are younger than you, you take on this role of like being an adult to them or like being an older sibling, right? And I, I'm an older sibling myself. <laughs> I'm wondering if that gets like tiring for you. You know, yes, it does. Like many times, like, first I'm an introvert, so I'm a very high eye. I, I, like, Couldn't like, help. <laughs> Couldn't this help. Is, yeah, I know. People will be like, huh, you're an introvert. No, I, I am a very high eye. So getting conversations is a bit harder. But what helps is when you form that connection with that individual um, and you are in that space, you're deeply involved. Uh, but it's also important to pace yourself. Mm. So for example, what are the areas of interest that you have? So I don't accept like all mentees. Um, you know, I would like to see how can I value add to you and how can you value add to me? I think that's just a very pragmatic conversation you need to have a st at the start. Managing expectations of what you want out of this relationship mm. is also very important as well. Like, what are you looking out for? How can I help you further? So once you have addressed those two and you're very clear about that, then I think when you choose your mentee or when your mentee chooses you, there's clarity of expectation. I think that makes it a bit more easier. Mm. Um, I don't go and say, okay, I accept everyone because it's very hard. Sometimes you're not the best fit for them. It's true. And you need to be humble enough to accept that. So when you have that approach, I think so far, I've had a good journey in my mentorship uh, uh, experience and getting mentored by other people as well. Mm. Right. So if you if you have that privilege, then just pass it down. Mm. It's true. Mentorship is, I think, very underrated mm. in it Singapore. Is, it is, it is. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk a bit about... Uh, the volunteer organisations that mm. you work with. So, do you think that people overlook the needs of these volunteer organisations because they are not profit-driven? So, I think that, that that is a, a challenge. One, society's mindset that volunteer organisations cannot make a profit or cannot invest in themselves. That's one. Second, for these volunteer organisations, the reason why it's not top of mind for many people, many people is that they only turn to these organisations or community organisations when they're only in need. Mm. So if you're like an average individual going about your work day to day, sometimes they're not top of mind. But if you're a family in need and you're, or you, you're a young person looking for these kind of opportunities, yes, then you see the value. Uh, another thing about volunteer organisations is because they're largely volunteer-driven, 
things such as succession planning, things such as innovation sometimes don't feature very prominently. So volunteer organizations can tend to be very personality driven. Mm-hmm. It's based on the chairperson on the leadership at that time. And so if you don't have proper succession, it's very easy for volunteer organizations to just last for like three to five years and then they're done. Mm. Um, so these are the challenges of volunteer organizations and which is why not many people understand what they do. Mm, they also lack, for example, technical competencies or skills like how do you do effective marketing? Sure, you can get a volunteer who has marketing experience, but you'll still need to operationalize all his strategies and his approaches, right? Yeah. And that's the challenge that we all tend to have. Mm. We have good ideas, but sometimes we don't have enough volunteers or volunteers with necessary expertise to execute them. Mm. So how do you circumvent that then? Mm. So for example, if let's say in my volunteer experience with like Youth Course in the Youth Club, again, back to prioritization, you can't solve all the problems at once. What are your top tier problems that you intend to solve mm. that can be done tactically, meaning that involving just one to two or three people maximum within a month? So instead of saying, okay, I want to do a strategy overhaul, you say, okay, I want to come up with a pitch deck for my partners. Mm then that makes it a bit more concrete. So then in the process of creating a pitch deck, what kind of problems are you going to solve? What kind of questions do you want to have? So if you do that in a step-by-step basis, then in the longer term, maybe you'll be able to make a broader impact. And second, again, going back to the point of succession, ensuring that the person taking over you understands the work that you have done, why you have done it, and how he can then he or she can then take it and improve it and take it to the next level is extremely important. So if you have both in mind, you won't feel the pressure to solve every of your organization's problem within your term. Mm. You're able to say, okay, I'm going to prioritize these and the next ones, the next batch of leadership will take over. Mm. So I'm, I'm very interested to know because I think you've mentioned succession a couple of times, mm. right? Yes, yes, yes. How do you encourage that in your group of volunteers now? Because I, I do think that that's quite a interesting aspect. Like we were, we were talking about it just mm, now about mm, mm. the fact that when people volunteer, I think it's quite emotionally motivated usually yep, so yep, how do you yep, keep yep, that yep. motivation going yeah I think one is to have a very big pool of volunteers to begin with um, succession should not be oh I've identified my one successor mm. so I think one having a wide pool a wide bench for you to leverage on second is to start that conversation early so for example you've identified certain leaders that you want to develop third is uh, having certain processes or a program that allows you to expose this leader for success. So for example, um, for example, like having rotating them to different departments or allowing them to rotate across different functions, exposing them to different partners, it's extremely important uh, when you are doing that so that the leader, when they come over, has the best chances of success. And fourth or fifth, understanding that uh, they may even leave the organization mm. and not to put too much of pressure on them. So if you have a proper plan, uh, you have articulated a plan to the young volunteer and you journey with the volunteer, I think these are the two to three things you can do to ensure that succession is successful. Mm. I'm also curious to know what are some struggles that volunteer organisations are kind of like facing beyond the ones that you've mentioned? Because I remember at the start, you were talking a bit about like the... Um, what was that term? Inclusivity? Uh, being very inclusive yep, and... and, yep. and well, I think one is depends on the causes that you are doing. So certain volunteer organizations die off because the cause is no longer relevant to young people. Mm. Like right now, mental health, environment and sustainability are, is all the hot rage, topics. right? They're all hot topics. Everybody wants to get involved. But how about maybe disability? Mm. How about um, uh, inclusion 
maybe across income. How about just youth work in general? Uh, not many young people tend to gravitate towards that. So volunteer organizations struggle if, let's say, their causes no longer are relevant. Second, they struggle because, as I mentioned, there's not like this administration that will help you out. Um, I feel that volunteer organizations without like a paid staff to be like an administrator or like a manager will die off because, one, volunteerism is based on choice. It's based on the amount of time you can even commit. If you don't have a staff to back you up, a lot of the institutional knowledge just dies off. A lot of the processes just dies off and you're not able to have somebody to anchor it. Um, third, volunteer organizations die off because, again, the cult of the personality. That mm. is a strong leader. She's able to lead the organization. The next batch is not very good and then they just die off. And fourth, in- interestingly enough, they don't innovate fast enough mm. because there's so much of pressure on like, oh, my predecessor has done it. I should just follow. So you hear of organizations that have been around for like, or programs have been around for like 15 years and nothing has changed. And then you realize, oh, people are no longer attending this program. Yeah, it's because it's no longer relevant. Mm. And the last point is the youth space itself is so dynamic. Every couple of years, a new social media platform pops up, a new trend pops up. Volunteer organizations will find it struggle, will find it hard to engage younger, younger volunteers because where do you go next? Do you go Clubhouse right now when you're in Telegram? Mm-hmm. What kind of volunteers do you want to engage? Is Facebook still relevant? What if you're trying no. to attract? What if you're trying to attract like older uh, adults, right? So sometimes you 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 struggle to see. Okay, where do I go next? Because the youth space is just so dynamic. Mm, it's true. It's ch- it changes faster and faster. Yeah, compared to let's say maybe adults or maybe senior citizens. Let's say their needs maybe related to healthcare. You're able to 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 tap on that. And but for a young person, it's very hard to predict what is the next social media platform? What's the interest next five years? Mm. And if you're not able to do that, volunteer organizations will just be always reactive mm. rather than proactive or transformative. Mm. Okay, let's talk a bit about like something a bit more positive. Sure. Maybe you can share with me <laughs> <laughs> a bit um, about what are some, or maybe um, in the last couple of years, have mm. you seen, is there like an increase in the trend in terms of like the volunteer organizations coming up? Or yeah, some like good news in general in the volunteer space. I, I think we've got a lot to 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 be feel happy about. One, volunteers are getting younger and they're starting volunteer organizations at a younger age. Second, they are able to uh, I think because of the, how education's evolved in terms of leadership development, they're able to lead these organizations more successfully. Like right now I mm. see younger volunteers and volunteer organizations reach out to partners and say, hey, I want to develop this. I want to build this organization. So you see a lot more founders mm. of volunteer organizations. Are we looking at like 13-year-old founders, that kind of thing? I mean, it's not unprecedented, right? If you're able to form tech companies or able to form startups, why not a volunteer organization? What is the challenge in that? So you're able to see them at a younger age. You're able to see them more responsive. Another thing that they've been able to do is try to get rally the communities along. Mm. So if you notice how sustainability, the sustainability space has exploded or has like blown up in terms of importance, um, how it has really uh, captured the minds of many Singaporeans, it's been largely also driven by young people articulating this as a need and being very persistent about it. Um, I think these kind of kinds of trends that in the past you wouldn't have been able to see because they may lack the know-how mm-hmm. uh, or they may say, oh, maybe I should do it via the school, but now they're being more independent. Mm. So it's really a lot diverse scene out there. Uh, volunteers are getting younger and they're taking more ownership of the space and that's very heartening to see. Mm. Interesting, interesting. Okay, let's bring the conversation back to you. Oh. So you mentioned that you volunteered with uh, the Sinda Youth Club and mm. Youth Corps. Youth Corps, yes. 
was there any particular project that has left like a lasting impression on you? Yep. So I think one project or one ongoing project is the Indian Youth Conference uh, or IYC for short. So in the past, uh, the need that we wanted to address was there were so many Indian youth clubs because the Indian youth space or the Indian space in general is so diverse in terms of sub-ethnicities, religion, um, and the causes that they're passionate about. So there's so much of diversity in the space and there's so many new clubs coming up that there isn't one like congregating point. Mm. So we created this conference to invite all the different uh, Indian youth groups to come together. And I think as a, as a first step, what was interesting for us to note is the amount of, of, of surprise that people had. Like There were so many organizations around and the second thing that we did was we created a repository of all the different Indian youth groups. What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? How do you contact them in the first place? So that we wanted to shift away where relationship was based on personalities or how comfortable you are to a, to a point whereby based on the knowledge that you have, based on just reaching out to an individual, based on the needs that you have. Um, and so that has evolved. So we had one conference in 2019. We had another conference that was done online in 2020. And the evolution that I liked is that for 2019, Sinda Youth Club was the entire executive committee. But in 2020, we were able to partner with other organizations, like the Young Sikhs Association, Narpani Youth, to push the conversations forward mm. and to co-collaborate on these kinds of initiatives. And as a result, we have found out or we have experienced that there's a lot more collaborations happening. And that's really very useful because we shouldn't be duplicating efforts. Yeah. I think as volunteer organizations, you sometimes find it hard to distinguish what is one organization and mm -hmm. how is it really different from the other. So by going through this process, I'm able to see over a span of three years how one program can actually have a massive impact on the space itself. Mm. So that'll be like one of the programs that I'm quite proud of. Mm. I have a side question. Yes. How do you measure the kind of impact that for instance, the... Indian Youth Conference. Yes, the Indian had, Youth Conference has, has had, right? Had, yeah. So that's where, for example, using your work experience uh, helps. So for example, having clear metrics. So number of events. Mm. So we saw growth in the number of events. Number of events with multiple partners on the posters, right? So in the past, be like, okay, this is just one partner and uh, one event just driving it. But now we see that there are more events coming up. Uh, so that's like a visual representation that can be quantified. Second, you can go a bit more qualitatively asking individuals, how, how did you find that experience? Has this improved? Has the tools that we have come up with improved your experience? So that's something that you can do uh, more qualitatively, reaching out to the partners directly. So that, that also works. And third is the reception uh, for your next upcoming event. Is it higher, lower? What are people looking out for? So when you, I think you are able to use quantitative and qualitative uh, methods. You are able to have a holistic assessment. I think a challenge with many volunteer organizations, they tend to emphasize more on the qualitative, mm. not so much on the quantitative because it's a challenge to collect the, such data in the first place. Yep. yep. Okay. Interesting. We were, were about to wrap up the conversation okay. but okay. I, I really am very curious to know what motivates you because you were saying that um, volunteering is a choice. Yep, correct. Right? And that you, if you want to keep being in this space, mm. you do have to have a full-time job. Yes, and then this correct. is something that you drop on boundaries with and yep, yep, it's something yeah. you do on the weekends. Yep, what yep, motivates yep, you yep. to keep going? So I think for me, volunteerism is the easiest form of expression of an individual because volunteerism comes in many shapes or form. It's not just going to the community centre or you know interacting with the elderly. If a soccer player spends his time mentoring other young youths in terms of soccer, that's volunteering. If you're a marketeer, you help out in other organisations to maybe improve their marketing, that's also volunteering. 
So it's the easiest form of expression. Um, and, you know, every Singaporean needs to have that ability to express themselves mm. uh, through, through, through volunteerism. So that has been the conduit for me and I found it effective. Of course, my friends encouraging me, my volunteers encouraging me, that helps. And, you know, I use the term friends, I don't use the term volunteers, right? Because you start off as volunteers and you end up as friends. Mm. And so that camaraderie and that rapport that you've built over the years, it's another thing that keeps you going. You see a volunteers go into school, come up with a job, get married and have kids, and then you're like, oh, wow, where has the years gone by, right? So that kind of personal relationship keeps me going. Third, that the need still exists. I think... I don't go into space thinking that I'm going to solve everybody's issues. I won't even think I can solve one person's issue. But can I at least leave a mark? If I can, okay, let me try to leave a mark. And I think that's all I try to do. And so if you are able to manage that expectation of yourself, then you are very comforted, you're very comfortable, and you don't find volunteering a chore mm. because it speaks to you and you know how to identify with it. And so managing the relationships, you know, enjoying the relationships, managing your own expectation... And understanding that volunteerism is so, such a free thing to do keeps me going. Mm. Okay. Last question for you. Sure, sure. Is there anything that I guess you would like the listeners to know about to or to encourage them to take up volunteering if they haven't or to join the causes that you feel for mm. personally? I think for young people in specific, uh, one, you do not need to follow the crowd. It's a lot of pressure to say, okay, if I want to volunteer, I want to be featured very prominently. I must join mental health-related issues. I must join sustainability. I must join things that are vogue. Mm. You don't need to do that. Again, go back and say, what speaks to me the most? And just follow that direction. Um, second, if you're in it for fame, I'm sorry, it's very hard. In the context of Singapore, unless you're rich or famous or you're extremely smart, it's very hard for you to be, let's say, a volunteer and become famous. That is not the best route to take. I would discourage people to join volunteering like that. Third, uh, take it as a journey. Uh, the end sometimes, like I didn't know at age 12 or 13 when I was doing beach cleanup that I'd eventually be here speaking to you. But it so happened. Such is life. So take it as a journey. And lastly, enjoy it. If volunteering seems like a chore, then you're not going to last. Um, and if that's a thing, take it as feedback. It's okay to leave volunteering organizations and join another one. And I think volunteering organizations themselves to un should understand that it's okay for volunteers to leave and take that as feedback and don't demonize the volunteer that just left. But understand why the person has left and see how else you could have better supported that individual. Yeah. Okay, sorry. I have one last, last, last sure, question. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm personally curious to sure, know, sure, sure, I guess sure. in all of, your, all of your years of volunteering, mm. what has that given you? Oof. things that can't be counted. Friendship, experiences, growth. Yeah, these three things. Okay. That was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> All the things we need in life, yes, right? Yes, exactly, right. I didn't say money, I didn't say house, car, but you know, these are the kind of Who things that, that? Yeah, that you can't measure, but just mean so much to you, right? Okay. Yep. Cool. Thanks a lot, Yuvan, for joining me on this conversation. My Hope pleasure. you guys have learn something from our chats. Yes, hopefully. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. This show was brought to you by Youthtopia. This project showcases everyday Singaporeans that have made an impact in our society. Have someone in mind? Nominate that person at youthtopia.sg forward slash impact.